time to get mad as hell in America. Adam Klugman is on Portland's Progressive Talk, 620 KPOJ. Welcome back to Mad as Hell in America. I'm your host, Adam Klugman, and you're listening to AM620 KPOJ, Portland's smart talk station. And I just said that I think we are all responsible for the actions of the soldiers urinating on dead Taliban. I hold us all responsible. I don't think it is fair to send soldiers off Ordinary American citizens like you and like me off to an immoral war and expect them to ask to act morally by accepting responsibility for our own complicity in what we see in the world. It's not out there, man. Somebody else didn't do it. We did this, all of us together. This is our world. We did this. How do we undo it? When do we announce a new day? I say today we announce the new day. Today is the new day. 503-248-0621-866-452-0620 are the numbers. Let's go to Sean in Battleground. Sean, what's up, man? Welcome to Mad as Hell in America. Adam, all I could think of was George Orwell in 1984. There's the famous line that goes something like this. If you want a picture of the future, Winston, imagine a boot stamping on a human face for all eternity. Something like that. Yeah, I remember that. So what's the alternative, Sean? Well, you know, whether it's the environment, whether it's the economy, whether it's foreign policy, the only system that's given our, this capitalist system a run for its money has been a centralized socialist system. Uh, you know, Adam, I, I kind of go on and on about it, but um, 22 years ago, I was actually an infantryman in the Army, so... Like, I'm not going to come down on those Marines whatsoever because I remember Hillary Clinton giggling as she watched a 60-something-year-old man get his head blown off as Muammar Gaddafi was being murdered. So, you know, this is, this is you know, way above their pay grade. And the only thing that's going to stop it, Adam, is, is if we, we build a class-conscious socialist movement just like the people did in the 1930s. That's the only thing that's really, you know, stood up to the system before. Sean, I know you keep hammering on it, and I'm glad that you do because somebody's got to, <laughs> well, man. It's, it's, it's not my opinion. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's, it's, it's historical record. That was the only thing that pushed the pendulum to the left was working class and poor people organizing in the Communist Party. That, that's not my opinion. That's what actually happened. No, right? I, under, I understand that it's history, and, and what I'm saying, what I want people to do, and what I'm trying to point out is, you know, we do this all the time. We do it with, with, when horrible crimes are committed, uh, when terrible things happen, we say, oh, that's horrible, and it's out there. And we abdicate responsibility. It, well, it, we didn't do it. It's not us. It's somebody else. And every well, it, time we do that, every time we abdicate that responsibility, we, we, we postpone well, the inevitable. It, you know, there was Me Lai in Vietnam. I mean, I read a, a book called Charlie Rangers about some airborne rangers. They talked about um, ambushing people and then positioning the dead bodies in sexual positions. I mean, you know, Me Lai, something like 300 people were, were killed. I was actually in the Army. I didn't participate, but the invasion of Panama, something like 100 women and children were killed in the ghettos of Panama City. 
You know, this is stuff that people don't talk about, and this is the capitalist class's responsibility. So that's the only reason that I hesitate to say that we are responsible. We have a responsibility to overthrow the capitalist class so that they're not not doing this to the planet and to the people. Well, I hear you, Sean, and I appreciate the call. You know, I think you and I agree on a lot. We split hairs on some critical points. Right on, But, but I do appreciate the call, man. Take care. Uh, you're listening to Mad as Hell in America with Adam Klugman. Numbers here are 503 520 What do you think? Do you think that there is collective responsibility, that when our soldiers do that, that we must assume responsibility for the actions that our government and our soldiers and our warriors take in our name? I sure as hell do. You're listening to Mad as Hell in America with Adam Klugman. We'll be right back. to Mad as Hell in America with Adam Klugman. You're listening to AM620 KPOJ, Portland Smart Talk Station. I just could not help but think of Apocalypse Now and that speech about the heart of darkness, about the insanity of war, that if you stare into it, your only option is to make a friend of horror. It's the only way that we can survive. It's why war is pure madness and drives people insane to the point where they could find pleasure and humor in peeing on the faces of their dead enemies, their fellow human beings. It drives us insane. And the only way to survive it is to make a friend of horror. And I say no. I will not make horror my friend. Let's go to Linda. Linda, welcome to Mad as Hell in America. Okay. Um, so one of the things I've been thinking about is that um, we're suffering from collective guilt, too, over, especially going over to Iraq with all those lies and uh, those reasons. And, you know, the Nuremberg trials actually helped Germany improve its attitude towards its people and towards war. They didn't even um, agree with us on the Iraq thing. So, 
We didn't have any of that, so there's no justice either. Well, Without that, we have the collective guilt and the collective responsibility. It was our represent- representatives. They represented you, me, my children, my grandchildren. Right. Well, I think that I would distinguish between uh, responsibility and guilt. I, the idea of guilt, yes, I think that we need th- th- that there is some guilt, but I think guilt can be very paralyzing. The idea that we would take responsibility for this action. This is why I wanted to see an investigation into the war crimes uh, that started exactly. the Iraq war, because we yes. as a society can take responsibility for that crime and by we, bringing about justice. We should have done that. Otherwise, you're right. We are being paralyzed by the collective guilt because we didn't um, allow any justice. That's right. And, what we did wrong. And so what happens is our guilt festers. It becomes the ability, the inability to take responsibility becomes a guilt that festers. And then it exactly. concentrates. And then we get actions like this and more actions like this. But we must restore justice in this society by, I think, assuming responsibility and understanding that the, the, the people that have waged these wars, both on the ground and at the very highest levels, yeah, well, represent I'm, us. And we have I, to take responsibility for that. And I think there's no uh, statute of limitations on, on murder like that of what we did in Iraq. No. So, I don't know. Well, Linda, I appreciate the call. Thanks so much. Okay. Uh, I think we agree. Numbers here, 503-248-0620, I saw that Richard dropped off. Richard, give me a call back. I'll put you back on the air. I know you want to talk about something specific. 503-248-0620. Virginia, welcome to Mad as Hell in America with Adam Klugman. What's up, Virginia? Well, first of all, I have to say it's so typical of Americans to be offended by anything that includes sex or bodily functions. I mean, we react to this stuff like, oh, my God, they had those? You know, yeah, that's true. Uh, so part of it, part of this reaction, I attribute just to our sort of immaturity. But uh, you know, I, I'm offended by what happened, but I'm also offended that there are dead bodies there, and I don't know where they came from. These guys were that's... snipers. Were these farmers on their way to market, or Who were, were they, they really Taliban fighters? I don't know. We'll never know, Virginia. We'll never know, and that's you know. People are so offended by this, but they weren't offended when all the networks were covering shock and on. We were bombing Baghdad, the most densely populated city in, you know. With depleted what? uranium, something like over 400 tons of depleted uranium were dropped during the first night of shock and awe yeah, in it, Baghdad. It's just outrage. I mean, we, we, we continue to get it backwards, just absolutely backwards. Uh, uh, and I don't know if we if we're really that messed up or have we been that brainwashed i mean how did we get to be as disconnected as we are as a nation i don't know how did we get here i don't know how we got here. you know how we got here i think we got comfortable we get we give it away a little bit at a time there isn't one moment where suddenly we're apathetic it's that you know we get fat we get a little lazy it gets easy to ignore we defer responsibility to our leaders because it's convenient not because we trust them and slowly by attrition we continue to give away our power and then we forget that we have it and then as a matter of habit we begin to identify 
justify the power is somewhere out there. Then we become victims of the power that we have ceded to leaders unfit to lead us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and we're just so schizophrenic. I mean, on the one hand, we're blowing up babies, and somewhere else in the world we're trying to save them from starvation. What's the difference? How do we distinguish? Yeah, and and this depleted uranium, which nobody talks about. Yeah, it'll, it'll be there for thousands and thousands and thousands of years it will have totally destroyed these people and the kind of birth defects that it causes i mean i know this is really hard to talk about and this is not sexy talk radio but i just feel that we have to talk about it because like i said i i want to see a time and maybe this is the time that we do begin to usher in we take this one tiny step and begin to usher in a whole new era where where each of us starts to take responsibility for what we see in the world and to move the world in a different direction. I mean, if it's not going to be now, Virginia, then then when? Well, I'm really hoping in the spring when Occupy fires up again that after they have uh, muscled this corporate monster, they can talk about the fact that one of the big cheeses in this corporate monster is the war machine and that it produces... No jobs of significance. It produces no good on the planet. It is simply a way for a handful of people to enrich themselves, and it ought to be illegal. It ought to be illegal. I think one of the first things I would do would be to make money. Making money from war is simply flat-out illegal. I bet we'd see a whole lot less of them. Gina you know? Carlisle group meetings would thin out fast. <laughs> and so would a whole bunch of defense contractor <laughs> stocks as well. <laughs> Virginia, thanks for the call. Yep. I, I always appreciate it. You want to join the conversation here, 503-248-0621-866-452-0620. Um, I lost someone who was going to call in and plug a, a very important event coming up here in Portland next Friday at noon in Pioneer Square. We are going to begin a march. Uh, for Occupy the Courts. Occupy the Courts. And the goal is, as you probably will guess, to get a constitutional amendment going that will repeal Citizens United and corporate personhood. This is essential. It's going to be at 12 o'clock next Friday. I'm going to be speaking for about five minutes. So are a whole bunch of other people. We need to start showing up. Occupy is going to start ramping up again. That means it's good news. That means power to the people. That means you and I get to stand up and take what's left of our free society and make our voices heard. And there is no better way to make our voices heard than to repeal Citizens United and the whole notion of corporate personhood, which I find offensive, don't you? 503-248-0620-1866-452-0620 are the numbers. Before we go, I want to play a clip. I was banging around the Internet, and it's Martin Luther King Day tomorrow. So I, I found this really startling clip. Uh, it was it, it, It's in a larger clip, many of the things we've heard, but we haven't heard this particular piece before. And I just found it really powerful. And in honor of Martin Luther King Day, which is tomorrow, I want to play it. Let's play the MLK clip. America has strayed to the far country of racism and militarism. And this unnatural excursion has brought only confusion and bewilderment. It is time for all people of conscience to call upon America to come back home. Come home, America. 
God has a way of standing before the nations with judgment. And it seems that I can hear God saying to America, you are too arrogant. When you tell the truth and take a stand, sometimes it means losing a job, means being abused and scorned. To be a follower of Jesus Christ means taking up the cross. And my Bible tells me that Good Friday comes before Easter. Before the crown we wear, there is the cross that we must bear. Let us bear it. Bear it for truth. Bear it for justice. And bear it for peace. With this faith, we will be able to speed up the day when the lion and the lamb will lie down together and every man will sit under his own vine and fig tree and none shall be afraid. With this faith, men will beat their swords into plowshares and nations will not rise up against nations, neither shall they study war anymore. And I don't know about you, I ain't going to study war no more. That's Martin Luther King talking about not studying war no more. That's where it began for me. That's the moment. That's the moment when we began to say we will usher in a new era. We have to say it again and again, each of us, again and again. We can't wait for people like Martin Luther King. We have to be the agents of that change and be the voices of it and announce it a thousand times, a million times before it will come into being. When we come back, Tangerine Boland from revolutiontruth.org will be here to tell us about a panel that you do not want to miss. This is Adam Klugman. You're listening to Mad as Hell in America on AM 620 KPOJ, Portland's smart talk station. We'll be back. Maddening, isn't it? This is Mad as Hell in America, Portland's progressive talk, 620 KPOJ. Welcome back to Mad as Hell in America. I'm your host, Adam Klugman. You're listening to AM620 KPOJ, Portland's talk station. And I thought I'd choose a little Todd Rundgren, a little upbeat message, love in action. That is all that we need to put forward. That's what we need to rely on, love in action. I really believe that. I think we also have to stop being squeamish about words like love and peace and compassion. You know, because we're afraid we're going to be characterized as soft or weak. I'm not weak. I talk about love all the time. I'm not talking about romantic love. I'm talking about the power of love and the politics of love. That's what we need. That's all that we need. It knows its own way, has its own force. So you won't see me backing down from words like love and peace and compassion because that is exactly the prescription for the new world we want to see. In a minute, we're going to go to Tangerine Bone, who's going to tell us about a really cool panel that's coming up at revolutiontruth.org. But before that, let's go to Lee in Longview. Lee, welcome to Mattis Hell in America. Hi there, Adam. Hi. 
congratulations on a great show. I listen every week. Oh, and I thank love you. It. Thank you. And our Occupy movement here in Longview is very active and a really important one, and I'm really proud of them. Yes. But what I wanted to talk to you about today, you're talking about the tragedies of this war, uh, both wars, and we here all in war. Washington, <laughs> all war, <laughs> we here in Southern Washington are mourning losses right now. Um, we had a young woman from our area who was killed by a sniper oh. uh, just three weeks ago. Oh, wow. I'm and sorry to hear that. She went into the Army right out of high school, and she was just a wonderful person. Everybody mm. loved her. And so it's a tragedy for yes. our town. Um, in addition to that, in Washington, we lost a ranger not too long ago. Right. She was killed by a young man deeply I, in trouble. I remember reading about that. All three of these tread. He then died trying to escape into the mountains, and he suffered hypothermia and drowned oh, before the authorities could get to him. These three tragedies are all related to that stupid government-enacted wars. Yeah, the unintended consequences of war go on and on and they, on, as do the collateral damage. Lee, I really that's appreciate, right. appreciate the We've call. Lots of them. Too lots much of collateral damage. So let's make this the day right now when we announce a new day. That's what I. That's what I'm about. We'll just keep hammering on it until we can announce that new day and begin to see it dawn. That's that's what I feel. I feel that that's why I played that Martin Luther King clip. I feel like you know you started to see the dawn rise on that new day when he came out and was willing to take up the cross of speaking unpopular opinions about war and pay the ultimate price for it. Occupy is unpopular with some right now. But it is the uprising, and it is positive. And the young people that are doing this are incredible young people. And if this succeeds, and I know it will, will, they will not have to be sacrificed. You're right. For the wrong reasons. You are right. Lee, thanks so much for the call. That's a perfect lead-in to our guest, uh, Tangerine Bolin. Tangerine Bowen, welcome to the show. Tangerine Bowen is founder of a founder and executive director of Revolution Truth. RevolutionTruth.org is the website, a small but global organization dedicated to increasing truth and transparency in our institutions, defending whistleblowers, and to restoring legitimate democracies. I love that bio. Tangerine Bowen, welcome to Mattis Hell in America. Thanks, Adam. Nice to be here, as always. Well, that last caller seemed to fit nicely into what you're, you want to announce to people. So tell us a little bit about what's going on with the Occupy. You have a panel coming up, right? We do. And I just want to say, too, my heart goes out to the Longview community for their oh. losses. And it's just a tragedy. And it's not an easy place to express on radio. But we should all feel a kick in the gut over what the heck we're doing over there. Oh, you know? my goodness. So, yes, and all this is connected. And uh, we are hosting a panel on Occupy this next Wednesday, January 18th at 5 p.m. Eastern time. So 2, two o'clock our time. It's audio only, will be recorded, and uh, our panelists include 
Michael Moore, filmmaker Michael Moore, uh, author and Pulitzer Prize winner Chris Hedges, who's been a de facto amazing voice for the Occupy movement, uh, appealing to very many. Margaret Flowers, Dr. Margaret Flowers in D.C., and Kevin Zeiss uh, of D.C. as well, and a uh, representative from Occupy Wall or He's not representing Occupy Wall Street, but coming from Occupy Wall Street, um, a, a fellow named Jimmy Holovac. So that's our panel for next week. It's our first one on Occupy, and... We'll be talking about, uh, you know, what is Occupy? We want to kind of take a step back and really look at this thing. We want to talk about how potent and powerful it's been, but also how plagued with both internal and ex external challenges. We want to talk about next steps, but we also really want to talk about power dynamics and how you truly change systems. So that's what we'll be engaging in next week. It's a, it's a powerhouse group, so it's exciting <laughs> and intimidating. <laughs> I will definitely be there, Tangerine Bolin. Uh, best of luck to you. That's January 18th. Uh, the website is revolutiontruth.org from 2 to 4 p.m. Do I have it right, Tangerine? You, uh, you do, yes. Thank you. Great. Tangerine, thanks for coming on. Don't miss it. I will be there. Uh, and then, Tangerine, maybe we'll follow up afterwards. Sounds great. Thanks, Adam. All right. Okay. Thanks for coming on and telling us about it. Right, uh, okay. In the little bit of time we have left, let's go to Bill in Salem. Welcome to Mad as Hell in America. you got about a minute and a half. Hi, that was me. It's you, Bill. You're on. All right. My phone fuzzed a little right there. Yeah, Bill Wolf. I'm uh, in Salem, Oregon from Occupy Salem, Oregon. We are having a rally, and I just uh, that's a great lead-in there. I wanted to let everyone know about it, that down here at the Capitol, we've been working with folks from the Portland Occupy and a representative from Corrales Occupy. We're looking towards uh, February 1st of having all the occupies here and uh, occupying the legislature and as a kickoff on the 21st which is the anniversary of citizens united we're having a big rally uh, on saturday noon gonna there's a reggae band that's playing we're going to have speakers a march um and we're trying to kind of get together maybe a ga with we reached out to all 40 occupy in uh in in the oregon and we've got a lot of uh people claiming they're going to have their representatives here and we're going to try to do a speak out from each each of the occupies um so we're putting that together noon the 21st and and adam we uh, we're still putting speakers together if you can find a way to get down here we'd absolutely love to have you down here to speak to it it's going to be kind of the theme of you know corporate personhood um i'm also with move to amend so that's near and dear to my heart great well, uh, send me an email on the particulars, and then I'll also post it on my site uh, at adam at madashellinamerica.com. All right, Bill? I will do that today. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on the show. And if you want to contact me, you can send me an email at adam at madashellinamerica.com. I promise to respond. Coming up, it's going to be an interview with Rabbi Michael Lerner, who has written a fascinating and an important new book called Embracing Israel-Palestine a strategy to transform and heal the Middle East. You don't want to miss this. This is one of the foremost thinkers on how to bring about peaceful solution in the Middle East. You're listening to Matt as Hell in America with Adam Klugman. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to AM620 KPOJ, Portland's only progressive talk station. Now, coming to you live from the banks of the Willamette River, it's Mad as Hell in America with Adam Klugman. You've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. My life has value. Online at 620kvoj.com and on the air at am620kvoj. I want you to get up right now and go to the window and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm 
Welcome back to the second hour of Mad as Hell in America. You're listening to AM620 KPOJ, Portland's smart talk station. And I love saying that every time. We moved from progressive because we felt that that was kind of limiting. We're not just progressive. We're smart. I like that. I like saying it. It feels good. Got a great show coming up for you. Uh, This hour, I'm going to be playing an interview with a gentleman named Rabbi Michael Lerner. And if you don't know about this gentleman, you can check him out at tikkun.org. You're going to learn all about it in this next hour. It's T-I-K-K-U-N.org and spiritualprogressives.org. He has written a new book called Embracing Israel-Palestine. And it is all about how we create peace in the Middle East. And what's interesting about this gentleman is he is a rabbi, and he is a very outspoken critic of Israeli foreign policy in Gaza and the West Bank, and it has made him one of the more reviled spokespersons for peace I have ever known. And he's going to be coming to Portland this coming Thursday, January 19th at 7 p.m. at the First Unitarian Church at the main sanctuary at the corner of Southwest 12th and Main. I was originally going to have him on for a live interview, but since my show falls on Saturday and Rabbi Lerner is, as I say, a rabbi, uh, he does not do interviews on Saturdays because Saturday is a holy day. So what I've done is pre-recorded an interview. I've recut an interview that I recorded a few weeks ago on Norman Goldman. Um, there was no point in re-interviewing him because we had a sensational interview with him. We have it in four parts this whole hour. Uh, If at any point you want to call, uh, I will make time for you at the beginning of each segment or the end of each segment to make comments. Because, again, even though this is pre-recorded, we don't want this to be a conversation that we are having at you. This is a conversation here at Mattis Hell in America that we want to have with you. The numbers are 503-248-0620-1866-452-0620. And this idea of criticizing Israeli foreign policy in Gaza in the West Bank can be very controversial and very hot. And so what I've tried to do in this interview you're about to hear is set it up so that we take the sting out of it. This is not about criticizing. It's very consistent with what we talked about in the first hour, which is how do we create peace under the banner of compassion and love and understanding for people that we perceive and it is a faulty perception as our enemies. This is key. And Rabbi Lerner is a hero of mine for a long, long time. Um, so I'm just going to roll it. And if you want to call 503-248-0620-1866-452-0620, here is my interview with Rabbi Michael Lerner, author of the book Embracing Palestine, Israel, Palestine, A Strategy to Heal and Transform the Middle East. Rabbi Michael Lerner is a political activist, the editor of Tikkun, a progressive Jewish interfaith magazine based in Berkeley, California. And he is the rabbi of Bet Tikkun Synagogue of San Francisco. He is also co-founder of the Network of Spiritual Progressives, which welcomes people from every religious and secular community who share the values of love, 
generosity, creativity, wonder, and a commitment to respect one another. He is a visionary and unapologetic liberal thinker, as well as an outspoken critic from within the global Jewish community of Israeli policy toward Palestine, Palestinians, especially as they relate to Gaza and the West Bank. He is the author of several books, all with a common theme, Healing the World with the Power of Love, and compassion and transforming our systems with a commitment to peace, social justice, and courageous political activism. He is here to discuss his most recent book, Embracing Palestine Forward Slash Israel, which he has subtitled A Strategy to Heal and Transform the Middle East. Rabbi, welcome. Thank you so very much. Well, thank you for being here. And, and this is a very difficult conversation, and it's hard to know where to pick up the first thread of it because there, at least for two reasons. First, because it's so broad and so much has been written and discussed about it, but also because it is so potentially dangerous. So I'd like to try and remove the element of that danger by asking you to explain the idea of tikkun and how it is a banner heading really for all the work you have done in the past 40 years, including your most recent book, Embracing Israel-Palestine. Well, thank you. Um, tikkun is a Hebrew word, and it means healing, repair, transformation. It's often used in connection with the word tikkun olam, to heal, repair, and transform the world. And um, that's been our task since we started tikkun. By the way, it's spelled T-I-K-K-U-N, two, two Ks. So it's tikkun.org on, the, on, on your website. And um, what we've been committed to is trying to introduce a, a theme that really is deep in Judaism, but I believe is equally deep in almost all the religious and spiritual traditions of the human experience. And that is the notion that the best way for people to act in this world is a loving and caring and generous way. And that um, all the uh, distractions from that are really distractions from our highest selves and that we need to get back to our highest selves if we're going to be able to live in a world that has this possibility of being sustained environmentally and sustained uh, socially. So uh, the healing and repair of the world um, that we call for, um, uh, which we articulate through our action arm, the network of spiritual progressives, though as you explained, our network is not just for religious people, for anybody who agrees with our new bottom line. And our new bottom line says this, that every economic, political, social institution, whether it be corporations, government policies, our educational system, our healthcare system, our legal system, or even our personal behavior, should be judged efficient or rational or productive, not only to the extent that it maximizes money and power, which is the old bottom line, but also to the extent that it maximizes love and caring, kindness and generosity, ethical and ecological sensitivity, enhances our capacity to respond to other human beings as embodiments of the sacred and enhances our capacity to respond to the universe with awe wonder and radical amazement at the grandeur of all that is. Now, when you when you take that new bottom line and take it seriously, you come to a tikkun olam, a transformation and healing of the world. Because what taking that new bottom line seriously would mean is reconstructing our economy, our political system, our social life, and our personal behavior uh, so that we were, in fact, maximizing love and caring and kindness and generosity and all the other things that I've just mentioned. And that would be a fantastic transformation of the world, but it turns out that in the 21st century, 
that which seemed like a utopian dream maybe 2,000 years ago um, is actually the only survival path possible for the planet and for the human race in the 21st century. Uh, our guest is Rabbi Michael Lerner, tikkun.org. That's T-I-K-K-U-N.org is the website. Also, spiritualprogressives.org is the website. He is author of a new book called Embracing Israel-Palestine, a strategy to heal and transform the Middle East. Uh, let's start with the title, Rabbi Lerner. Um, it's, if you can see the book, it says Embracing Israel forward slash Palestine, and it seems to indicate uh, your intent to unify them, at least ideologically. Tell me a little bit about your choice uh, for that title. Well, you see, on the one hand, I'm a supporter of two states. So I did not mean to be suggesting that this that these two people should try to create one state together. But what I am suggesting is that there is no solution for peace, for justice, for security for Israel that isn't simultaneously a uh, a path to peace and security and justice for the Palestinian people. In the, and conversely, the same way. If you want to be pro-Palestine, you've got to be pro-Israel. If you want to be pro-Israel, you've got to be pro-Palestine. Why? Because these two people are living together in, in, a, in a, an area the size of the state of New Jersey. It's, uh, it's impossible, totally impossible for, um, for one side to get what it needs and the other side to be screwed over and then think that there's going to be peace there. There's no right. possible way. Our faith as Jews is totally linked to the fate of the Palestinian people. But of course, that's just a sub part of my larger view, which is our fate as Americans is linked to the fate of all other people on the planet and the fate of the planet itself. In other words, in a, in a more general way, the, all of the, the nationalisms that have led us to, um, led each country to affirm itself at the expense of other countries has to be overcome in the 21st century, else we will spend our time fighting each other, meanwhile, uh, while the destruction of the planet proceeds apace. The only way we're going to ever get together to stop the ecological destruction of the planet is when we overcome this nationalist craziness and recognize our common fate with each other. But that's very hard to do when the place that these ideas of caring and love for the other first emerged in the in the Middle East, in uh, in Israel, Palestine, in what is now Jerusalem, the split city of Jerusalem, that um, the, uh, if there people turn to that and say, look, even those people who articulated this vision of love and caring and kindness and generosity, they can't get along with each other. They're killing each other in the Middle East. So. Uh, much as I believe that our all of our fates are intertwined, all the more so all of our fates are intertwined with the fate of Israel-Palestine. We need to take that on first of all and try to solve uh, to to bring the two sides to recognize and acknowledge the humanity of the other. Our guest is Rabbi Michael Lerner. He is author of a new book, Embracing Israel-Palestine, a strategy to heal and transform the Middle East. Uh, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, Rabbi, uh, your message is so beautiful. It is so peaceful. It is so compassionate and so humane. And yet I know that, and it has been for 30 years now, and yet you have experienced a sustained attack um, for this message. And when we come back, I want to try to account for that if we can.
Plugman is dynamite. Plugman is Plugman. Welcome back to Mad as Hell in America. I'm your host, Adam Klugman, and you're listening to AM620 KPOJ, Portland's talk station. Uh, this whole hour, we are listening to... Uh, bah, my head is just not here today. Uh, we're listening to an interview that I conducted a few weeks back with Rabbi Michael Lerner, who I will honestly say is one of my heroes. He's author of a new book, Embracing Israel-Palestine. He's going to be here in Portland January 19th. That's this Thursday at 7 p.m. at the First Unitarian Church at the Main Sanctuary. I am definitely going to be there. This is an important conversation. What I love about this book, and it is a beautiful book, and I strongly encourage you to read it. You can pick it up at tikkun.org or check him out at spiritualprogressives.org is that this book is about more than just peace in the Middle East. This is about a stand that we must take as human beings to bring about the change in consciousness that we want to see in the world. And if you want to join me at any point in this conversation, I will, as I said at the beginning of this hour, I will make room at the head and the tail of each one of these pre-recorded interviews because Michael Lerner is a rabbi and he doesn't do interviews on Saturdays. Um, I would love to hear from you and have this conversation. is a difficult one, but an important one. Uh, but we have now a call on the board. Richard, Richard, welcome to Mad as Hell in America. What's up, Richard? Uh, Adam? Yes. Okay, you're, uh, I, I, don't, I wasn't aware that um, I was included in this subject. However, we're, we're, this is a little bit of beyond the subject that you're discussing right now. Uh, I, I call, first of all, to thank you for agreeing to participate in the Occupy the Courts event on Friday, January the 20th yes. at Pioneer Courthouse Square. My pleasure. I cannot wait. Yes, neither can I. <laughs> <laughs> Although, there is so much to do. I'd like to put it off a little longer, but I can't do that. Um, as you know, we're, we're there, uh, and our theme has been all along has been uh, and and this is move to amend and uh, alliance for democracy and by the way you mentioned the unitarian church where this other event is occurring with the the rabbi yes uh, they they are also a sponsor of this event uh and and this event is of course to um, well, I, I hate to say commemorate, but it is to recognize the second anniversary of the Citizens United decision, which now gives corporations unlimited uh, power to spend money on, on elections as much as they see fit. And, of course, they have a lot more money than we do. So we're going to be inundated by uh, ads and other things that are, that are funded by corporate money. We already are. Yes, we are. So this is an Occupy the Courts event. Uh, tell us again when it is, Richard. And, and it can only get worse. Um, what, what kind of what now? Did you uh, just tell me, uh, let's let the people know where it is so they can show up. Oh, yeah, sure. It's at Pioneer Courthouse Square uh, on, on January the 20th. That's a Friday. The, the actual anniversary is on the 21st, but we're doing this on Friday because the courts are open on that day. Right. And uh, we now have, across the nation, this isn't just in Portland, we have 110 out of 127 federal courts will have demonstrations in front of them, including the Supreme Court of the United States. Great. Uh, Richard, We I will definitely be there speaking. That is this Friday the 20th at noon at Pioneer Square. Right, Richard? Right. At 11.30 a.m. it starts. <clears throat> the, the speakers will probably start around 12. 
we have a lot to get done. Uh, we, we're going to have raging grannies there uh-huh. and and some other uh, uh, entertainment, and uh, we we hope to really have a uh, a powerful uh, presence. Uh, we're anticipating in excess of a thousand people. Let's get to let's let's anticipate two thousand people and see what happens. Rich, Richard, I've got to jump. I got to get back into this interview. But thanks so much for the call, and I'll, I will see you on Friday. Uh, I'll be speaking along with a bunch of other hopefully qualified people. I hope I'm as qualified as they are. Richard, thanks for putting this all together. We appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, bye. So we're going to get back into our interview with Rabbi Michael Lerner, author of the book Embracing Israel-Palestine, who's going to be here on January 19th at 7 p.m. at the First Unitarian Church, the corner of Southwest 12th and Main. Here we are continuing our interview with Rabbi Michael Lerner. Our guest is Rabbi Michael Lerner. He is a political activist, editor of Tikkun Magazine, a progressive interfaith magazine based in Berkeley, and Rabbi of Bet Tikkun Synagogue in San Francisco. He is also the author of an important new book called Embracing Israel-Palestine, a strategy to heal and transform the Middle East. Rabbi Lerner, welcome back. Thank you so much. Before the break, I had said uh, that I, I've been following your work for a long time. You have a message of uh, shared humanity, of peace, of love, of compassion and understanding. And yet you are probably one of the more criticized voices for peace in the Middle East that I've encountered. Why is your message so dangerous? Well, I think to the uh, Jewish world, it's particularly hard because I'm a rabbi, and not just a rabbi, but somebody who who, who seriously practices Judaism. Uh, so it's um, many of the people in the organized community um, think that the only way to be a true Jew is to support Israel's policies, regardless of what they are, and regardless of how ethical or ethically coherent they are with the uh, with the teachings of our Torah or the Jewish tradition. So um, they basically have made Israel into a substitute for God. Uh, you find um, if you go into any synagogue in America, you will find that you can say, "I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the mitzvot, the Jewish commandments. I don't follow the Jewish path. I don't really like Torah so much." Um, and everybody will say, "Fine, welcome, come on in." But if you say, um, "I don't support the state of Israel," <laughs> you will immediately find a huge amount of hostility surrounding you. And that, so, that's not the case with you. You do support the state of Israel, yes, and, and you know, make a but distinction. What but what I'm saying is, is that this has become the God, the, right. the, the idol that has replaced God after the Second <laughs> World War, when, after the Holocaust, when Jews felt, um, many Jews felt that their conception of God as big man in heaven who would step in and save them uh, um. failed. Instead of, um, instead of asking, how do I reframe an understanding of God, uh, they instead said, no, no, the God we now believe in is power and might. We need a strong army. We need a strong state. And so they took the Zionist movement and they turned Israel into really something that couldn't be questioned. It was the ultimate, the highest power, the thing that was, was worshipped. And that's how it is in the Jewish world today. As a result, um, anybody who doesn't worship at that idol is... Um, is deemed a self-hating Jew or an anti-Semite or, um, or or somebody who truly, truly, truly has alienated himself from Judaism. So 
it's harder. It's easier to do that with secular people, secular Jews. But when they find somebody like me, who is a religious Jew, who prays every day, who's, um, you know, who observes the the, the laws of of Judaism in in the in the traditional way, um, and who and who actually loves Israel so much so, in fact, that my uh, that I lived in Israel. My son lived in Israel with me, went to school in Israel. I mean, this is, um, it's much harder to discredit me. And, and for that reason, they're more angry. And they, they want to prove that there's something wrong with me or that truly I hate Israel or that I want to destroy the Jewish people or whatever. And so uh, that has led to not only years of being isolated in the organized Jewish community that they won't, that most uh, Jewish institutions won't invite me to talk so that I can't even talk about my book in that context, even though the book is explicitly not just pro-Palestine, but pro-Israel and right. insists that the only way to be pro, pro-Israel is to be pro-Palestine and the only way to be pro-Palestine is to be pro-Israel. But nevertheless, they close their ears to that and they're so angry that I get uh, an opportunity to talk in the public arena, that people um, send me death threats, and um, and now in the last year, four times there's been attacks on my ha- my own personal house, which of really? course in- terrifies our family and makes us feel very insecure. Because as the police say, look, the goal of these attacks on your house is um, is to let you know that you are not safe. That you that we know where you live, that we can get you anytime we want, and you should understand that and understand that this is the consequence of speaking out and claiming, as I do, that the uh, the Palestinian people are equally precious to God as the Jewish people, that the Palestinian suffering is just as important as the Jewish suffering, uh, and that um, the 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 destruction of Palestine. Children is as much an outrage as destruction of Jewish children. In other words, that I see the Palestinian people as equally human and as equally created in the image of God. And that, although it comes straight from our Torah, is something that um, leads people to uh, say he's an enemy of the Jewish people. Our guest is Rabbi Michael Lerner, tikkun.org, T-I-K-K-U-N.org, and spiritualprogressives.org are the website. He is author of a new book, Embracing Israel-Palestine, a strategy to heal and transform the Middle East. Uh, when we come back, Rabbi, I want to get into it a little bit about what specifically you object to in uh, w- with regard to Israeli policies in Gaza and the West Bank and toward the Palestinian people. I think it's important that we have this conversation. Uh, all too often in the American media, this conversation is just absolutely off limits. There seems to be no way to have this conversation, and I'm really glad that we are having it here on the air. Again, our guest is... Rabbi Michael Lerner. He is the author of the new book, Embracing Israel-Palestine. You can learn more about him at tikkun.org, T-I-K-K-U-N.org, and spiritualprogressives.org. We'll be back with Michael Lerner after this. Welcome back to Mad as Hell in America. I'm your host, Adam Klugman. You're listening to AM620 KPOJ, Portland Smart. 
Talk Station, and we are smack dab in the middle of an interview with a gentleman named Rabbi Michael Lerner, who is the author of a new book, Embracing Israel-Palestine, a strategy to heal and transform the Middle East. He is going to be here January 19th, that's this Thursday at 7 p.m. at the First Unitarian Church, speaking about his book and about the possibility, not just of peace in the Middle East, but how about peace on the planet? I think it's a strategy to heal and transform the world, which is why I'm so excited to be a part of this event. Um, We're going to go to a call. We have Karen. Karen, welcome to Mad as Hell in America. You're on. I just wanted to pick up a thread um, from your earlier remarks about why people are upset sometimes uh, with Rabbi Lerner. And I wanted to say that he introduces concept of sociocultural PTSD for um, a way of looking at the fact that Israelis and Palestinians have a very difficult time dealing with one another and that some Jews have difficult time dealing with other Jews who are very um, are striving very hard for peace because there's so much fear, uh, even terror, uh, given the history of the Jewish people. And on the other side, for Palestinians, there's terror and fear grounded in, in both cases in, in real historical experience. And that Rabbi Lerner's uh, book has been very well received. I wanted us to look at it in the context of how other peacemakers have looked at him. Archbishop Desmond Tutu has enthusiastically endorsed, endorsed it, as has former President Jimmy Carter, uh, the Israel. Uh, the former interim president of Israel, Avram Burg, uh, Palestinian, Saeed M. Saeed, and other Arab and Jewish spokespeople. So just to give a, a, a well-rounded view of how this book is entering into the peacemaking dialogue. Well, I appreciate you uh, calling and adding that to the conversation, Karen. I'm actually looking at uh, Desmond Tutu's review of the book, and it said, Rabbi Lerner's book is provocative, radical, persuasive, and if given the attention it deserves, could make a major contribution to reconciliation. Please read this book. So I'm really glad that you called, because he is more than just a controversial figure in circles where people are committed to building peaceful solutions in the long term. He is extremely well respected um, and and for his commitment to peace and I really appreciate you uh, making the call thank, thank you so much for doing this Adam oh thank you Bye-bye. thank you Karen um, so Rabbi Lerner is going to be here in Portland January 19th that's this Thursday at the first Unitarian Church at the corner of 12th and Maine. I'm going to be continuing now my pre-recorded interview with Rabbi Lerner that I did a few weeks ago on the Norman Goldman show. I listened to it again and I thought there's no reason to re-record because he was just so candid and so open and we were getting along so well. So here is part three of my interview with Rabbi Michael Lerner. Our guest right now is Rabbi Michael Lerner, author of the new book, Embracing Israel-Palestine, a strategy to heal and transform the Middle East. If you want to learn more about Michael Lerner, go to tikkun.org, that's T-I-K-K-U-N.org, or spiritualprogressives.org. Everyone is welcome. You do not need to be religious to be a part of spiritual progressives. Rabbi Michael Lerner, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I want to play a clip by Jimmy Carter. Uh, Jimmy Carter wrote a book many years ago uh, called Palestine, Peace, Not Apartheid. And this is Jimmy Carter on Hardball. I want to play it and see what uh, you think of it. 
What is being done to the Palestinians now is horrendous in their own territory by the occupying powers, which is Israel. They've taken away all the basic human rights of the Palestinians, as was done in South Africa against the blacks. And I make it very plain in this book that the uh, apartheid is not based on racism, as it was in South Africa, but it's based on the desire of a minority of Israelis to acquire land that belongs to the Palestinians and to retain that land and then to exclude the Palestinians from their own property and subjugate them so that they can't arouse and demonstrate their disapproval of being robbed of their own property. That's what's happening in, in the West Bank. And, and the people in this country, in America, never know about this. They never discuss this. There's no debate about it. There's no criticism of Israel in this country. And in, other, in Israel, there's a, there is an intense debate about the issues in this book. That was former President Jimmy Carter in 2006 on Hardball, promoting his book, Palestine Peace, Not Apartheid. And our guest is Rabbi Lerner. Rabbi Lerner, do you feel that the policies uh, in the Gaza and the West Bank constitute apartheid? Well, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a misuse of the term apartheid. I think it's a mistake to use that word. It's inflammatory, and it doesn't really capture... Um, uh, in many ways, what's going on in the West Bank is far worse than what apartheid was. But it's not, it's not this, uh, apartheid was based on a racial system, and that was, and this is not based on a racial system. The fact is, is that inside Israel, Palestinians get to vote. Uh, they don't, they don't have separate toilets. They don't have separate beaches. They don't, they aren't kept out of the same schools. They, they go to the same universities as, as, uh, Israeli, um, Israeli Jews. It's not an apartheid system. What it is is an extremely oppressive occupation, and um, an occupation that has been morally outrageous, in my view, because it does um, deny to uh, Palestinians basic human rights, like, for example, the ability to travel from city to city, without um, from town to town. I mean, we're talking about a tiny little area there, but in, from town to town, without sitting for three hours in front of um, uh, waiting to be searched by, at checkpoints that really make any kind of travel or connection between different parts of the Palestinian uh, society impossible except on the phone. And um, it's... Um, and then we've had the occupation leading to the killing of far, far more Palestinians and Palestinian children than we have any of the terrorist attacks on Israel um, uh, killing Israelis. Not that I want more Israelis to be killed. I want less Palestinians to be killed. Um, but the uh, and then on there in the uh, Gaza, uh, Israel has imposed a, um, a harsh blockade that has kept. Um, Gaza from being able to rebuild uh, the all of uh, a lot of the um, the homes that were bombed by Israel when it invaded Gaza in uh, 2008-2009. Uh, the suffering of the people of uh, of Gaza is extreme, uh, and um, it's one of the poorest places on the planet, one of the most densely populated places on the planet, and Israel has acted disgracefully towards those people, not by denying them basic food stuff, by denying them many of the things that they need in order to live. So um, uh, we have Israel acting in a way uh, that is morally outrageous, a violation of our, the highest values of our own Jewish tradition, um, and frankly opposed by many Israelis as well. Because I don't want to say this is just Israel. This is the 
right-wing government of Israel that unfortunately has um, been uh, gotten more support as um, as Hamas, the the terrorist force in Gaza, has continued to try uh, to use force and power and continue to assert its desire to wipe Israel off the face of the earth and uh, eliminate the state of Israel, which, of course, is then used by the right wing to justify extreme measures against the Palestinians. Our guest is Rabbi Michael Lerner. He's an author of the new book, Embracing Israel-Palestine, a strategy to heal and transform the Middle East. Uh, Rabbi Lerner, I'd like to go to some calls. Let's go to Varda in California. You're on with Rabbi Michael Lerner. Oh, hi there. Um, you know, Rabbi, I, I'm an Israeli, and I grew up in Israel. I was raised there. I served in the military. My father's family was all wiped out in Auschwitz. Now, let me tell you something. Rabbi Lerner's ideas are noble, but they're unrealistic, and they do not acknowledge history. So, I mean, I'm sitting here outraged to hear that because, you know, for any relationship to succeed, you have to have two ways. You cannot have Israelis be generous wonderful and uh palestinians just want to kill them where where is he acknowledging that this is the only thing palestinian wants to do and that is kill us i mean explain this to me i'm outraged Varda, thanks for the call uh rabbi lerner i knew this would come up so uh it mm -hmm. falls in your court well it just isn't true it's not true that the only thing palestinians want to do is kill and it's that kind of um demonization of an entire people based on the behavior which of, of a small section of that people, namely uh, the Hamas forces. Right. And, um, and you see, this. Uh, so what I do in this book, actually, is embracing Israel-Palestine. And by the way, um, you can, if your local bookstore doesn't carry it, insist that they carry it. But meanwhile, you can order it yourself from either tikkun.org. Go there and you'll find a way to click on to uh, the way to, to order it. Or you can get it from, um, from uh, amazon.com and it's also on Kindle. But what I do in this book is to tell the story in such a way that you can see how both sides have been um, have a reasonable discourse to explain why they're so outraged at the other. And both sides have been really unreasonable and hurtful towards the other. And so to tell the story in such a way that one side is the evil side and the other side is the righteous victims is simply a, um, well, is a way of telling the story that will keep the conflict going forever. And so I try to show in this book, starting from 1880 and going right up till August of 2011, how to understand both sides, uh, both sides suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder mm. to the extent that this woman who, who just was on the phone says, uh, okay, she can only see the evil of the other side. She can only see their killing. She won't acknowledge that more Palestinians have been killed by Israel than Israelis have been killed by Palestinians. She won't acknowledge that more children have been killed by Israel than, than Palestinians have killed, killed Israelis. Uh, Israeli children, um, the, the, and this is what happens with post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, the Jewish people have suffered tremendously, and they've suffered in part by the, re by the uh, re uh, resistance of the Palestinian people originally to the creation of the state of Israel. The Palestinian people have suffered tremendously because after 1948, um, when so many civilians 
fled the, the area of fighting, and Israel wouldn't allow those civilians to come back and live in their homes. And so 800,000 people who fled have now turned out to be over 4 million people living in some of the worst conditions um, in the world. And Israel saying, no, 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 they can't come back. And what's more, we won't even uh, allow them to create their own state in the West Bank. So they say they're for it, but then they, they instead are building and building and building more Jewish-only settlements. And that's where people get the idea of, segre- uh, of, of apartheid from, is this vision of that, that Israel is building Jewish-only settlements in, in, um, in Jerusalem, in eastern Jerusalem, which used to be the Arab section, and throughout the West Bank. And, that, uh, get, and then those Jewish-only settlements get a disproportionate amount of the water, a dispro- and, and the Israeli army is there building roads through Palestinian villages to, that, that um, Palestinians are not allowed to travel on. Only Israelis going to those settlements are allowed to travel on. Uh, and this is a tiny little area. So you've got a, a tremendous amount of suffering for the Palestinian people. But... I am never, never going to deny the equal suffering of the, of the Israeli people. On the contrary, I'm precisely because I'm pro-Israel, I want Israel to make peace with the Palestinian people. But to say that they are all murderers, that all they want is to kill other people, is to deny their humanity. And that's exactly what happens in Palestine. Palestine Palestinians deny the humanity of Israelis because they see how cruel the occupation is. Israelis deny the humanity of Palestinians because of the the bombings that still go on in State Road and other places from from a small group of people in in Gaza and then both sides use the extremists of the other side to justify their own extremism. Our guest is Michael Lerner, Rabbi Michael Lerner. His new book, a very important book, a compassionate, beautiful view of the Middle East conflict called Embracing Israel-Palestine, a strategy to heal and transform the Middle East. We do have some calls on the board. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about your strategy so that people know that you've thought this through. I'm Adam Klugman. We'll be right back with Rabbi Lerner and your calls next. Do you Are you played by foreclosure? Well, here at Jim Lott and Matey, we can stop your foreclosure now. We're a mortgage rescue company, and for the small fee of everything you hold dear, we will negotiate with your lender on your behalf. Call Jim Lott and Matey at 1-800-YAR-YAR. That's 1-800-YAR-YAR-YAR. If you're facing foreclosure, talk to the right people. Speak with HUD-approved housing counselors free of charge at 888-995-HOPE. Brought to you by NeighborWorks America and the Ad Council. This is the story of Daniel, who was born two months early. He weighed one pound, seven ounces. His lungs weren't ready. His heart wasn't ready. His brain wasn't ready. At the hospital, the nurses said Daniel was a fighter, and they would do all they could to help him. The doctor said even with the best care, Daniel may never walk. He may never see. He may never learn. Daniel's parents spent night after night at the hospital, watching his every breath, holding his tiny hands, and looking for signs that he was growing stronger. At home, his parents looked around Daniel's empty nursery, at the quiet toys and the still rocker, and they hoped that one day they could sit in that rocking chair and tell this story to their very healthy son. Daniel's is just one of the more than 500,000 stories of babies born prematurely last year, but there's hope for a happy ending. The March of Dimes is funding the research and programs to stop premature birth. You can help bring more babies home healthy, Learn how at marchofdimes.com. Working together for stronger, healthier babies. 
There's a monster under my bed. There's a monster in my bathtub. Mine is on my dresser. There's a monster in the kitchen. For a child with asthma, it can seem like monsters are everywhere. There's a monster in my pillow. There's one on the rug. The fact is, their next asthma attack could be triggered by something as innocent as a teddy bear or a dripping faucet, even a bath toy. I don't like monsters. Fortunately, there are simple ways you can help prevent their next attack. From putting stuffed animals in the freezer to kill dust mites, to drying bath toys and turning on the bathroom fan to prevent mold. They're easy to do, and they're part of a complete plan that could help you put an end to your child's asthma attacks. Learn more at noattacks.org or call 866-NO-ATTACKS. Make the monsters go away. Because their next breath is in your hands. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. Every day, you can help good things happen. <laughs> Claudia, a local health worker in Nicaragua, helps save six children from pneumonia. Rosina in Bangladesh helps save 10 children from diarrhea. Aster in Ethiopia helps save 20 from malaria. And Salif in Mali helps save 30 from the effects of malnutrition. Help one, save many. Visit goodgoes.org to find all the ways you can help the good go further. Brought to you by Save the Children and the Ad Council. One, two, three, four. Prepare yourselves for Clubman. Welcome back to Mad as Hell in America. I'm your host, Adam Klugman. You're listening to AM620 KPOJ, Portland's smart talk station. We are at part four of our interview with Rabbi Michael Lerner. Rabbi Michael Lerner is going to be in Portland this Thursday. That's January 19th at 7 p.m. at the Unitarian Church at the corner of 12th and Main, I believe. Uh, I am definitely going to be there. This is something that you really want to attend. So we're going to jump right back into the final part of our interview with Rabbi Michael Lerner. Here it is. Our guest is Rabbi Michael Lerner, author of a new book, Embracing Israel-Palestine, a strategy to heal and transform the Middle East. You can buy it at tikkun.org, T-I-K-K-U-N.org is the website. It is a beautiful book. Beyond just thinking about uh, peace in the Middle East, I really think this is about a stand that we take as human beings for each other. Uh, it's a beautiful book. I highly recommend it, and it will give you both a history and a spiritual orientation about the nature of conflict in general and how compassion serves as the solution as opposed to alienation. Uh, Rabbi Lerner, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I want to try, if there's time here, I want to try to get into uh, your solution. People will have to read the book because it is an involved solution, but I do have a couple of callers who've been holding for a while, so I'd like sure. to go to them. Uh, Dan in Chicago, you're on with Rabbi Michael Lerner. Yes, hi, Rabbi. I've been uh, an admirer of yours since The Politics of Meaning. Oh, um, thank you. And I. When I get back to um, Ham's point about a, a higher vision, I think America and Israel have the same problem, that we have a civilian reality and we have a military reality, and we simply have a can't grasp the two and hold them in a vision. Yes. And I'd like to ask you, how do you build this bridge again so that, so that people just see it in simple terms that a civil reality feeds back to easing the military reality? Uh, Dan, thanks so much for the call, Rabbi Lerner. Well, I think the first thing is we need a progressive movement that 
talks in a language that ordinary people can understand about its central goals. And I say, um, I think we need that in the United States, and I think we need that in Israel and Palestine. Um, and um, in our network of spiritual progressives, we've put forward the following, that the goal is a caring society, caring for each other and caring for the earth. Now, that's a simple enough uh, uh, phrase for people to understand it. When they want to know more, then we talk about the new bottom line in which love and caring and kindness and generosity get used as the criteria for productivity, efficiency, and rationality. But beyond that, we need some detailed programs. And in fact, the network of spiritual progressives has developed some. And one of them, ones that's most relevant to the Middle East, is our call for a rejecting the strategy of domination as the path to homeland security and instead advocating for a the um the vision of a strategy of generosity as the path to homeland security generosity and genuine caring for the other now it turns out that we then transform that strategy into a specific program. We call it the Global Marshall Plan. And uh, it was introduced into Congress uh, in this past March by Congressman Keith Ellison, who is the chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus of the, of the Congress. And believe it or not, there is a Congressional Caucus of some 80 members in the Congress. He's the, cha uh, the chair of that Congressional Caucus. And he introduced House Resolution uh, one. 57. And 157 is the endorsement of the Global Marshall Plan. Now, we think that the Global Marshall Plan should first be um, applied in the Middle East and um, as a way of eliminating some of the extremes of suffering. Uh, you know that even though Israel is a very successful country at the top, it has the the largest gap between the ultra-rich and the ultra-poor of any of the advanced industrial countries. So Israel and Palestine both need, in fact, we call for this to go for not just Israel-Palestine, but also for Egypt, Syria, um, uh, and um, uh, Jordan and Lebanon, to, uh, so that all the surrounding countries get the global Marshall Plan. So there's a way of moving forward. But you see, the critical thing is a transformation of consciousness. We are, um, and so many people say, oh, it's so unrealistic to believe that people could care about each other or, um, or uh, adopt a strategy based on generosity instead of on domination. But the truth is we ourselves have seen incredible transformations of consciousness in our own lifetime. We've seen the women's movement emerge and fight against a patriarchy that existed for 10,000 years and make incredible progress in changing how women have been viewed. We've seen the black, uh, black liberation movement have a tremendous impact in changing the way that, uh, that uh, white Americans have viewed peoples of color. We've seen now in just the past six months the Occupy movement have a wonderful impact in switching the, the public dialogue away from the discourse of, hey, we need to reduce the deficit into focusing on the suffering of Americans and the, the, the class war being waged against the 99% by the 1% of the rich and powerful. You see, consciousness can be changed, and I believe that, in fact, our job here in the United States is not to go over to Israel and try to change their consciousness. It's to change the consciousness in this country about our view of what homeland security is, because if we can adopt a view of homeland security is based on generosity and manifested in a global Marshall Plan, we can have a tremendous impact in shaping the consciousness of the Middle East as well.
Our guest has been Rabbi Michael Lerner. The book is Embracing Israel, Palestine, a strategy to heal and transform the Middle East, and I dare say the world. Uh, Rabbi Michael Lerner, thank you so much. I think uh, for me, you're an inspiration to stay the course, to come up with a humane vision of the world, one based on compassion and love that will serve us in the long term. Thank you so much for coming on the show and for writing such a beautiful book. Thanks, Adam, for having me.